The orchestra started as a merger between an orchestra in Wilkes-Barre and Scranton, and those first years were a little painful because people didn't want to give up their independent identity, but by now, there's a real pride in the fact that we've joined forces and that we are able to sustain an orchestra that is as excellent as ours is. Nancy Sanderson, Executive Director of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, speaking with us in 2015 and relating a bit of the orchestra's history, then in its 44th year. In her brief remarks, she mentions some of the challenges over that history, but she also refers to the community's pride in the excellence of the ensemble and the fact that the orchestra has been sustained as long as it has been. With most organizations that reach the age of 50, as the Philharmonic has now done, there are, of course, triumphant times, trying periods, and slow and steady stretches of growth along the way. When an institution reaches 50 years, especially in this case when it's a symphony orchestra weathering the COVID-19 pandemic, and before that, surviving all the pressures that American orchestras have been enduring in recent years, a time when a number didn't make it, that is a milestone. So the 2022-23 season of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic is that milestone. And Nancy Sanderson was here yesterday, seven years after those opening remarks, to talk with us about how the orchestra has endured and the season ahead. It's no secret that back in 2017-18, the board made the decision to only present a chamber music that season so that we could really put all of our financial practices under a microscope and figure out what we can do. And we did. And we found a lot of solutions and uh, put them to practice. And slowly but surely, the, the debt is disappearing. And we're getting closer to a full season again. We added a concert this season. And even even COVID didn't keep us down. So I'm just feeling as though all the signs are there that the orchestra is here to stay. When you think about our community and what an orchestra means to a place like ours, you've seen it, you hear from people all the time, you know the musicians. What's the sense you get about what it means to have a continually operating professional orchestra that is ours? Well, I think there's been no greater task than COVID to answer that question because, well, first of all, Everyone who needed comfort from being isolated turned to music. Children, everyone did. And, you know, the social media was just bursting with people making music through videos together. And I think that that experience made people miss being able to attend live performances. And so last season, every orchestra experienced a decline in audience participation because people were still afraid to gather in large crowds. But so far, from what I'm seeing in ticket subscriptions and phone calls coming in, that some of that fear has subsided and we're ready to move forward. And then what is so exciting is that you're presenting us with a menu that makes us want to be there together. Yes, yeah. The programming is fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited about it. There's some standard orchestral rep that everyone loves, like Dvorak Aid and Scheherazade. You know, they just tug at our heartstrings. But there's some new music that is just 
so beautiful, and we are positive that people are going to discover new composers and new artists that they will follow. You can't not take risks. You have to take some risks because we all need to grow. The musicians want to come and play. They love to bring us the things that everybody loves. They love to tear into that and communicate across the footlights. But I'm sure that there is that sense of we're going to do something that's fresh and new and very exciting for all of us, and they get extra excited. Right. Oh, you've got it. That's exactly what happens. Their excitement is palpable, and the audience feels it. Of course, I'm going to bring up the elephant in the room, and that is that this is Melise Brunet's last season. And I just say to everyone, don't miss any performance that she conducts. This woman has such an impressive career ahead of her, and I'm so proud that we discovered her and that she launched her career with us. And I view that as something to be very proud of, although we're all going to miss her. We have this year to celebrate her, so please join us for every concert. We're going to be hearing about her for years to come. Oh, there's no question. And it sounds like this is not going to be a lame duck season for her. I am still pleasantly surprised at how she's giving 150% this year, coming up with new ideas and wanting to reach out to the community for a lot of educational programs. And I think part of the reason is because she's just so fond of Northeastern Pennsylvania. You know, the people have been really good to her and welcoming, and she's she's just loved getting to know the musicians in our orchestra. She's really going to miss them. So I think that while we are treasuring this last year with her, she's treasuring it with us as well. With all that in mind, tell us how you're going to launch. We're launching with a Pops concert. The whole Pops series is sponsored by PNC and Dr. Seth and Carolyn Fisher. And they just love the Pops concerts that we do, and they believe that they make music accessible to everyone. And that's a big part of their goal. So we're starting off with the Spot on Entertainment And Scott Coulter, who's been here before, he brought his production of a tribute to Aretha Franklin and Music of the Nights, which is Sir Elton John, etc. And this time he's bringing Broadway blockbusters. And, you know, every time he comes here, things happen that surprise me. And not very much surprises me anymore. But patrons are up in the aisles, dancing, singing along. Scott has this ability to make everyone so excited and involved in the production. And it's at Scranton Prep, and their theater is stunning. They have a beautiful theater. The acoustics are awesome. The parking is easy. Hallelujah. And they have made us feel so welcome there. It's terrific. So I'm excited about that new venue and curious because maybe it's a venue that we cultivate it a little bit. I will be interested to get everyone's feedback on it. What's the date of that one? Friday, September 16th. And that's just the start. We have a chamber concert on October 13th, and that is with David Creswell and Beth Birch Blundell and a pianist. And it's just a delightful set of chamber music, which will be performed at the First Presbyterian Church in Clark Summit. And that's a congregation that really loves music. And they have a really impressive music series throughout the year. So I'm glad that uh, we'll be there and playing for appreciative audience members. In November, we're doing a Masterworks concert at Abington Heights High School. And this is, as you say, everyone has to take a risk. This is a bit of a risk. 
But we have so many patrons who live in the Clark Summit area and had to travel for so long to Wilkes-Barre and to Scranton. We decided to bring music to them. And we anticipate that it won't be much of an issue for people who live in Scranton. And we're exploring the idea of having a bus for people from the Wilkes-Barre, Luzerne County area. That particular program starts with the Overture to the Magic Flute. And if you look on the cover of our brochure, the waves coming out of Melissa's baton are sound waves from an excerpt from the Magic Flute. All of the waves in the brochure are sound waves from music we will be performing this season. We're also going to have a discovery at that concert. Katia Mueller will be performing Coolridge Taylor's Violin Concerto, and the Violin Concerto is not well known, and it's breathtaking. It is so beautiful. And Katia is an 18-year-old violinist who is a prodigy. And we believe that she is going to have a career that involves major symphony orchestras, not as a performer, but as a soloist. And the, the Henkelman family, who has been very supportive of the arts, established a fund for us called the Emerging Artist. And she is our emerging artist this year, and we're just so proud that she's joining us. And, you know, we are very proud to be able to present this piece of music and know that it will become a favorite in a lot of people's repertoire list. Abington Heights is a good facility because it has good-sized theaters so everyone can be a comedy. Yeah, yeah, and what's wonderful is that they have a phenomenal music program there. And those kids are going to be very involved throughout the day and in the evening. And I'm excited that we bring it to young people as well. And then, of course, we have the holiday concerts in Scranton and Wilkes-Barre. And we've got a good friend who did a score for Hanukkah melodies that Boston Pops is using this year. And he's allowed us to play it. And so we're, we're excited. It's a really exciting addition to what we normally do. People count on the holiday programs to get them in the mood, but it's always lovely to surprise them, like Santa pulling out something new. But we'll have the favorites, too. Alan Baker and the Northeastern Pennsylvania Choral Society and Joanne Arduino's Ballet Theater of Scranton. We're doing different pieces, but they've become such a tradition. We can't let them go. (laughs) It's always a favorite. You know, even people that we don't see throughout the year come to this concert. It just heralds in the season. Then in January, we have another chamber concert, and that will be at Marywood University in Maria Chapel, which is such a wonderful venue for making music. It's it's just wonderful. And Rick Hoppenberg, who is the chairman of the music department at Marywood, will be playing piano. And Steve Matheson, who is on the faculty of Marywood, will be playing a variety of percussion instruments. So I'm excited about that because that isn't a typical recital, and percussion music should be listened to. It's fun. So that's what we need in the doldrums of January. In March, at Wyoming Seminary's Center for the Performing and Creative Arts, we'll be doing a Masterworks concert with a string orchestra and some of the string favorites that people love, like Grieg's Holberg Suite and just some really lovely music. But I'm excited about presenting a living composer. His name is Bruce Ryprich, and he wrote a lovely piece called When Quiet Comes. 
Now, Bruce is such a warm and loving person. He's also a teacher, and he's the head of composition at Arizona University. And his students love him. Children love him. This this love he has comes through in his music. And I have a great story for you about Bruce. He is our son Duncan's godfather. And when Duncan was four, Duncan asked me, Mom, if something happened to you and Dad, what what would happen to me? And I said, well, Bruce would take care of you. And he said, I thought you had to be an adult to take care of a kid. <laughs> and that sums up Bruce to a T because he's got a playful spirit and a loving and kind nature, and it shows in his music. Now, his ties to this area... He, he taught with us at Wilkes University for a few years, and we got to know him well. And there are many, many music teachers in this area who credit Bruce for really changing the way they hear music. Bruce, Bruce challenges his students in a very good way. And so I, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of students joining us who just want to hear Bruce's latest composition. And of course, with the orchestra will be Ron Stabinski. Bruce and Ron Stabinski have remained in touch and very close. So that is a concert I look forward to. In April at St. Luke's in Scranton, we'll be doing a string quartet performance of Haydn and some new music and some flamboyant writings of a Spanish composer. So there's a good variety of string quartet music to listen to. I love April. (laughs) April is a Pops concert featuring the music of John Williams And Melise has put a lot of thought into programming which music of John Williams that we play. And it is an exciting and varied program. And what makes it particularly happy for me is that in the afternoon, before the performance, we'll use that music for a young people's concert. And what child who's in grades three through five or six, wouldn't just fall in love with John Williams' music. I mean, it's it's the perfect introduction to symphonic music. And so we're excited about the whole package and grateful for so many people who are supporting that and sponsoring that program. In May, we go to the final chamber concert of the series, and that's at First Presbyterian Church in Wilkes-Barre. And it's with Pascal Archer, who is our principal clarinetist, and Alberto Perini, who's our principal cellist, and pianist Spencer Meyer. And I have to tell you, that's the (laughs) A-team. It doesn't get any better than that. And lots of people go to their concerts and trust them to select repertoire that's really interesting and new to listen to. So I'm really pleased about that concert. And then we'll wrap up the season in the beginning of June with the Masterworks concert that I said we'd be performing Scheherazade. That and that captures the attention of so many people. It's just such an imaginative and soul-stirring piece. We're also featuring our principal flutist, Laura Gilbert, in the flute concerto written by Kevin Putz. And it is so much fun. It's very rhythmic. It's got a lot of vitality to it. The orchestra has to sing and clap and things. And it it breaks the rules in a really delightful way. And Laura's been with the orchestra since time immemorial, hasn't she? Yes. Yes, she has. And she loves this orchestra. She, every year, donates to it. When we had that rough spot in 2017, she donated a concert, a chamber concert. I mean, she just... She doesn't just sign paychecks. She gives back. 
really what delights. And you're looking back over 50 years, yes, and the high points and the challenges, but you're really looking ahead to the present and the future. We, we are. That's true. And, and I don't want to make it sound easy. <laughs> it's not. But I think that one of the things that has given me hope is the determination and grit of people in our community to keep this going. Nancy Sanderson, executive director of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, speaking about the 2022-2023 season. We have a starter on September 16th, a Friday, at Scranton Preparatory School in the theater there in Scranton. And that's Blockbuster Broadway, a Pops concert. Also on the schedule for the Pops season, holiday performances on the 9th and 10th of December at the Scranton Cultural Center and the FM Kirby Center. We have movie night with John Williams in April at the Kirby Center in Wilkes-Barre and so much more. Also, you have a chamber series, one, two, three, and four from October to May. And the Masterworks performances are going to include this work at the end of the season, but also on November 5th at Abington Heights High School, discovering Katja Müller. And Nancy told us that she will play the violin concerto by Samuel Coleridge Taylor. Also on that program, the Overture to the Magic Flute and Dvorak's Symphony Number no. 8. Another Masterworks concert will be in March, and that's Discovering Bruce Reiprich. And that's at the Kirby Center for Creative Arts at Wyoming Seminary in Kingston, across the river from Wilkes-Barre. And on that program, the Holberg Suite of Edvard Grieg, among others. And then the whole season wraps up with Discovering Laura Gilbert, the principal flutist. And that's June, June 3rd, at the FM Kirby Center in downtown Wilkes-Barre. And the main work will be Scheherazade by Rimsky-Korsakov. For more information on the web, nepaphil.org, nepaphil.org, or you can call the orchestra, area code 570-270-4444, 270-4444, area code 570. It's the 2022-2023 season of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic under the direction of Melisse Brunet, music director and conductor. And she gets things underway with Blockbuster Broadway on Friday, September 16th at 8 p.m. at Scranton Preparatory School in the theater. And for more information, nepaphil.org.